I grew up in a Christian home. We rarely missed a, a church acti- activity. Uh, Sunday morning worship services, Sunday school, uh, Wednesday night catechism classes and choir practice, uh, youth group, church camps. And then I went off to a Christian college. Um, we had chapel services there. We took religion classes, joined Bible studies. And through all that time at home, we read the Bible together, we, we prayed together. And those years had a strong impact on my foundations of faith. But, but here's the truth. I don't remember a single sermon from all of that time. I can't recall one Sunday school or catechism or or youth group lesson. Uh, I know I went to VBS, and I know we had fun, but I don't remember what we did. Uh, and all those devotions that my parents and my grandparents read at dinner time, I don't recall what they were. But I do remember people. I have vivid memories of of the people that helped shape my faith. My parents, grandparents, uh, youth leaders, teachers, coaches, friends. And my guess is that the same is probably, probably true for you too. You may not remember all of the sermons uh, and all of the studies, but but you remember people, right? When we think about the defining moments of our lives, they most often center around a person. You ask me my story, I'll, I'll tell you about, about Mrs. Rosebone, Sunday school teacher, who when we were little, she taught us about God's love, and she did it by loving us. And Mr. Coima, he could get a prize for being the worst junior high catechism teacher in the world, Uh, but I knew that I could call him any time, any day, and he would be there for me, because he loved us boys. He did. Or Pastor Terbeest, who told me that God had a special plan for me, and he thought that I could do what he did. Chaplain Sitzer, who mentored me my senior year in college, who challenged me to give my life to something much bigger. Dr. Osterhaven, who who introduced me to the riches of God's Word. Pastor Charlie, who at 70 years old, showed me that life in Christ is new and exciting every day. And that if you are not dead, you are not done. Mrs. Zilstra, who opened my eyes to my own hurtful prejudices, And help me to see that all people are valuable and worthy of respect. And Virgin Dorothy Dykstra, who pulled me out of my comfort zone, invited me on a trip to Haiti that changed my life. And I could go on and on. My life is full of people who invested in me. People who gave me something that that has become a part of me today. And I believe that this is probably true for your lives as well. This morning we began a new four-week teaching series called A Unique Future. 
And as Jeff said on the, on the video, for more than 50 years, Orchard has been helping people to become fully devoted followers of Jesus. We've always been a mission-minded congregation. Did you know that Orchard was actually the very first church in the state of Iowa to begin its own college ministry? 40 years ago, when we paid off our first building in Cedar Falls, we began reaching out to UNI students. Why? Because we were on a mission to help people to become fully devoted followers of Jesus. And during the farm crisis of the 80s, Orchard voted to borrow money and began building a new sanctuary. Why? Because we were on a mission to help people to become fully devoted followers of Jesus. But as Jeff said, isn't that the mission of all churches? We've actually come to see that how God does this in our church family is unique, as it should be unique in all churches. And as we listen to stories of how God has worked and how God continues to work at Orchard Hill Church, we saw this this powerful, unique theme. God has called, God continues to call Orchard to help next generations to encounter and follow Jesus to bless a broken world. This is our unique missional mandate. The reason why we exist today. And it really isn't something that's new. Helping others encounter and follow Jesus, which is right at the center of our mandate, will always, I think, be the very heartbeat of who we are. But we're getting much clearer about how God is at work uniquely through our church family. We believe that God releases His power in in amazing ways as we get clearer and as we get bolder about who He wants us to be and how He best works through us. Now, I'm excited about this. As you can probably tell, uh, I, I've been a part of this team for the last 17 months. And I, I guess I didn't really know it at the time, but this is the reason why we came to Orchard 18 years ago. This is the kind of church that we've always been looking for. And I really believe the rest of our staff feels the same way. I think it's, it's why Brian and Giselle, their family, is here today. And the rest of the staff here in Grundy County. And I also believe it may be why you're here today too. Unless somebody dragged you here, but that's a whole nother, whole nother sermon. So this morning, I want to look at the first three words in this missional mandate. Helping next generations. You know, these are the words that really bring a, a clear sense of uniqueness to our mission. But they also could be easily misunderstood. So I want to make sure that we are uh, on the same page here. Who are the next generations? Now, the next generation, simply put, is the generation that's following you. 
Now, right away, you may assume, well, then they must all be younger than me. Well, yes, but that's not it. It also means people who are younger in faith. Now, I really believe that with this missional mandate, we will never be able to ignore young people or those who are younger in faith, regardless of their age. When I shared at the beginning about people who had an impact on my faith, my guess is that many of you were remembering your own people, names, faces, the people that had an impact on your faith, people that impacted you positively and spiritually. That's the kind of church we want to be. Our focus as a church family will always lean towards next generations. Now, does that mean that all we care about is kids and students? No, don't hear that. We care about all people, regardless of age. We like to say that we are a five-generation church. And it's true. To fulfill this mission of helping next generations encounter and follow Jesus to bless a broken world, every generation plays a part. Everyone. So let's think about this. Why next generations? Okay, three things. Number one, God always, eventually, works through next generations. Now, I want us to think this morning about Timothy in the Bible. Timothy was a young man that the Apostle Paul was mentoring. And there's actually two of Paul's letters that he wrote to Timothy in the New Testament. So I want to look at the second letter that he wrote to Timothy. 2 Timothy 1, 5, and 5 through 7. He says this, I am reminded of your, this is, he's talking to Timothy, I am reminded of your sincere faith, which lived first in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. I love this. Paul links Timothy's own faith to that of his mother Eunice and then his grandmother Lois. Now there are some Eunice's and Lois's in this room right now. And the names are different. But you, you have also been pouring out your faith, your love to the next generation. In your family, in your church family, even outside of it. And I want to tell you that God is honoring that work. One generation, helping the next, helping the next. Psalm 78 begins with a a challenge to listen to God's teaching. Things we have heard and known, things our ancestors have told us. We will not hide them from their descendants. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, His power, the wonders that he has done. We serve the God of, of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. 
God works through one generation to the next, to the next. And too many churches forget this important biblical concept. Faith continues as churches, as people, as families invest in next generations. All right, number two. God commands us to intentionally steward next generations. Now let's go back to young Timothy. Chapter two, Paul says to him, you then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. And you remember in verse, or in chapter one, the three generations that Paul talked about, grandmother, to daughter, to grandson, and now Paul adds a fourth, and even a fifth generation. He says, Timothy, it's your turn now. It's your turn. Pass it on so that others can pass it on. Nobody ever gets to be done. In the Old Testament book of Deuteronomy, this is what God commands His people. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands. Bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. So, why would we do this? Why would we even consider this unique call of helping next generations? Because God commands it. Jesus himself demonstrated it with how he mentored his disciples and handed responsibility of the church to them. Paul, his relationship with Timothy is another example. God commands it. It's a pattern of how God works with his people throughout Scripture. Okay, number three. God calls us to continue in what we have learned and become convinced of. This is Paul's final charge to Timothy in his second letter. He says, but as for you, Timothy, continue in what you have learned and become convinced of because you know those from who you learned it. Paul says, don't forget. Keep it up, Timothy. This is your task. Keep it up. Pass it on as it has been passed on to you. And I am absolutely convinced that God is saying to us, keep it up, Orchard Hill Church. This is your unique calling. Keep reaching next generations for Christ, just as others have reached out to you in the past. This is our assignment. It's why we invest so heavily in our ministry to kids, teenagers, and students. It's why we believe so much in evangelism and, and helping new believers to grow, no matter how old they are. I, I had a 60-year-old mother who was fairly young in her faith tell me the other day about uh, how she meets weekly with this young college woman who has this rich, deep, vibrant faith. This grandmother is being mentored 
by this college girl. Somebody much younger, but much deeper and stronger in her faith. It's beautiful. It's why we allow kids and teenagers, students, the freedom to use our church facilities in Cedar Falls. We host football bankers, banquets and, and cheerleading practices and youth basketball tournaments and Boy Scouts and 4-H and uh, all kinds of stuff. Fitness, taekwondo. Our building is taken over on Wednesdays by moms morning out kids in the a.m. to big house teenagers in the p.m. Every other church that I've ever served in never allowed such things to take place. They had rules that protected the building from the destructive power of children and teenagers. And you know what? They had beautiful buildings. But they just didn't have a lot of kids. This is why we've stayed at it for the past 10 years here. This is why we are getting pretty close to getting ready to put something on a chunk of land out there. This is why we continue to dream and work towards removing barriers and obstacles. So someday, someday, you've got a place that the doors are wide open for kids to come and tear around and grow. That's why we do this, right? This is our assignment. So I want to tell you, keep it up. Okay, finally, what are some practical steps that we can take individually and as a church? What does this look like? Well, it looks like a lot of things, so let me just give you three. One practice that we've started with our leaders is uh, sharing I see in you statements. And that means taking time to notice something good in someone else and then to actually affirm them with words, with what you saw. For instance, Trey's probably not in here. Is he? Is Trey in here? Hey! <laughs> Trey, I see in you so much growth over the past years since I first met you and so much potential for more growth. For a young guy at your age working a full-time job to be able so to be able to so uh humbly but willingly uh give of your time to lead worship in this place is ridiculous. It really is. Um, I couldn't imagine doing something like that when I was your age. There were a few other things that I was concerned about. So I see in you God doing an amazing thing, and I appreciate that. Okay, that's an example of an I see in you statement. So what I see in you statements could you make to the next generation? Those younger than you, and also those younger than you in faith. Now, secondly, this starts at home. If you're a parent, your grandparent, your number one mission field is home. It has to start there with mom and dad and grandpa and grandma. Let me tell you something. If you can't pour into your home spiritually, you have no business pouring out spiritually anywhere else. 
Your first priority is your home. It's your marriage. It's your kids. It's your grandkids. That's where it starts. If you want to know the best way we hand off to the next generation, it starts under your roof. And here's something I've been learning as a parent of two kids getting close to 30. You're never done. Nobody told me that. Uh, you're never done being a parent. You know, sure, some things change. Really, the biggest change is that maybe there's not quite as many problems, but they're just bigger and more expensive. Um, and then you become a grandparent, which is something I look forward to someday. And then there's two generations. You get to impact. It never stops. We are never done. And my grandmother would have turned 99 last week. Uh, she passed away three years ago. And I discovered well into my adulthood that my grandmother prayed for me every day. Every day. Every day of my life, she prayed for me until the day she died. Wow. You know, that's left a mark on me. On those lousy days when I felt alone, those dark days when I really doubted myself or even doubted God, she was praying for me. She loved Jesus. She loved me more than anything. She wanted what she believed to be true to also be true for me as well. And I love her for that. My mother-in-law is 86. She's in a nursing home. Uh, her life has shrunk down to this little tiny room with uh, no responsibilities, very little physical activity. She wrestles with dementia. Her hearing is shot, which makes for some really interesting phone conversations sometimes. Uh, her body is failing her. But Anne is the best example of to me of what it means to live with joy. It's crazy. 86. There she is. This tiny frail body in a wheelchair. And still, she's living with joy, celebrating daily God's grace. And what an amazing example she still is today to my wife, to our kids, and to me. If you are not dead... You are not done. One last thing. Set memorials and traditions that celebrate what you believe about God. Share your faith stories with next generations. Your kids, your grandkids. They want to hear about what you believe is true. They want to hear your faith stories. Moms and dads and grandpas and grandmas. Share them. Tell about answered prayers. Tell about where you have seen God at work. Read the Bible together. Pray together. Establish traditions that mark major moments, baptisms, anniversaries, special events in your family, in the church. How do you celebrate Christmas? How did you celebrate Easter? You know, we put a lot of energy into our Christmas and Easter celebrations at Orchard. Why? So that next generations will hear God's story. We are convinced 
that a key part of the mission God has given to Orchard Hill is to pass the baton of faith to next generations. So I ask you, will you join us? Will you join us with your giving? Join us in your volunteering, in your prayers, and in your commitment personally to invest in next generations. I believe that each of us here this morning have benefited in our own ways from those who have gone before us. It's our turn. It's our turn to give back, both as a church and as families and as individuals. So look for opportunities to live this mission out. Notice those next generations. Affirm them. Get involved in their lives. Show up in their lives. Love them as others have loved you. Love them as God loves you. You know what? God will bless us in this work. I believe it. We will continue to find joy when we think of others more than ourselves, when we sacrifice and when we give so that next generations can live. All right, let's pray. God, this is both an exciting and also a humbling call that you have given us. Exciting because uh, where will you take us next? Where are you calling us to go? Anytime that I've seen churches devote themselves to next generations, amazing, surprising things have happened. And I know that that's will continue to be in store for us. But this is also humbling because it's a big job. It's actually too big. It's bigger than what we can do on our own. But you promised us, just as you promised your disciples, that you would be with us, that in our weakness, we can find your power and your strength. That's why you sent us your Holy Spirit. So God, continue to lead us. Continue to inspire us. Continue to provide for us as a church family. We desire to be obedient and faithful followers of you, God. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.